Welcome to the Hoban Minute, a podcast that will shift your perspective on the business, politics, and culture of the hemp and marijuana industries. I'm your host, Xavier Jaillet. It's 420 somewhere, so let's dive in. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Hoban Minute. I'm your host, Xavier Jaillet, and I'm joined today, as I always am, by perhaps the greatest Philadelphia sports fan in America, Bob Hoban. Hey now, it's good to be here. And and by the way, I do take exception to that because I feel like there's you, you just took a shot at me without me even I knowing didn't. it. The Phillies won last night. I don't know what you're talking <laughs> yes, about. Yes, they did. And they're going to win again today. <laughs> Amen. And uh, happy to announce today that we are joined by Phil Wolf, the founder of Kashome. How are you doing today, Phil? I'm good, but I don't want you guys to drive away guests by opening up that we're getting on this podcast with the biggest Philly fan of all time. I mean, I just puked in my mouth. Uh, believe me, as a Celtics and Boston's guy myself, I'm there with you, Phil. What, what's your team? Oh, man. Well, just because it's, you know, basketball season just getting under the way, I'm just going to rep the Nuggets, you know? So you're more of a, a, a bandwagon fan, it sounds like. You wait for the teams to, to start performing before you decide who you want to hang your hat on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, 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 no. I've been a, I've been a, I've been a Nuggets fan ever since I started wa- liking basketball. So that's at least dating back 20 years. Good. Well, and there's nothing wrong with being a Nuggets fan uh, ever, but especially in this day and age with uh, with the Joker at center, it's uh, it's pretty fantastic stuff. But in any event, um, Philly fans are generally uh, detested around the world. To your point, Philip, and uh, you know sometimes you you can't run from uh, from which you're born. That's true. Even when you move <laughs> all the way west, it follows you. Uh, yeah, I know. But you but you also don't have to let people know that. That's basically what I was getting at. You know, from the opening part of the podcast. Well, maybe that was that was my fault. Maybe it was a shot. <laughs> maybe trying, the Celtics to, did beat the 76ers last night. I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to bring up your ratings, you know. Of course. That's why we're having you on the show, Phil. Um, oh, perfect. So let's get into some current events and some news and we'll talk about, you know, your journey into the industry. Um, in the last week and actually going into today, we've seen quite some exciting headlines um, about the cannabis industry. Last week we did have an announcement from Charlotte's Web, that they had uh, officially partnered with MLB for some of their CBD products. So CBD is now officially endorsed. You know you know what, Xavier? Not only partnership, I mean, it's quite an extensive partnership. It is, it is, a, it is an arrangement whereby Major League Baseball has an ownership stake in Charlotte's Web. Oh, really? Uh, and and it's, it's quite a, uh, an interesting arrangement, um, but uh, it's also a sign of the times. It is. It is. And um, just today, we saw news come out of Florida, actually, that uh, Green Thumb Industries is partnering with Circle K to be launching a, uh, a concept they're calling Rise Express, essentially having cohabited gas stations that are licensed to dispense medical cannabis to Florida patients. So that's a pretty exciting step in the, you know, the direction of, let's say, full commercial legalization or kind of what we envision uh, potentially the market looking like in the future. Anything to uh, say about that, Phil? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, I think the you know, to me what's really exciting is the Major League Baseball partnership because I hope alongside that partnership there's money that goes into research and there's also lobbying that goes into research from, you know, the owners and the people, the new stakeholders that are coming in. You know, I mean, that's, you know, 30, 
billionaires that just got stake into the CBD industry ultimately. And so I feel like with that happening, you know, it's going to open up more opportunities for further research, um, for lobbying to go a little bit deeper and to obviously legalization of hopefully THC and hopefully their interest goes into THC from the CBD partnership. Yeah, it's interesting. And it kind of, you know, to draw it to another sports analogy, it reminds me when the NFL acknowledged CTE, right? And all of a sudden money was pouring in and research was being done and studies were being performed. Um, and then kind of, you know, the, the organization and kind of this commercial mainstream group was putting their, not just their, their words behind something, but their money and their dollars behind something. Um, so it's certainly going to move the needle forward for uh, the CBD industry. And then as you indicate, hopefully down the road for, you know, other cannabinoid products. Yeah, absolutely. And and I'm curious if either of you know um, how the how the THC products in the Circle K's will be presented. I mean, are they is it going to be like a shop that is adjacent to it? Is it going to be, you know, one of those little stands where they sell the CBD products like next to the cash register? Is it going to be like a section whenever they have let's say a fast food restaurant that's in the you know, in the grocery stores that are the gas stations that you'll see. But, you know, I, th- I think in reading the articles, Phil, that that, that stuff re- uh, is, is to be determined. But but I, I think this is an innovate. This is an innovation in the cannabis industry. And, and it's funny to 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 think about the cannabis industry, which is a novel thing, which has come from below ground to above ground. And all of a sudden um, it's deemed in many ways uh, as, as, as a static industry. It really doesn't present a lot of innovation in the way it does things. Uh, and this is one of those things that, you know, could be perceived as an innovation. But I would, I would liken it to uh, if you walk into a, another dispensary and there's the cookies corner, for example. It's cookies mm-hmm. products. Uh, I, not mm-hmm. that it's just going to be in the corner of these Circle Ks, but because uh, you know, you're going to have to have a secured area. You're going to have to have uh, you know, check-in and, and IDs presented, et cetera. But I imagine it's going to be a small area within these these uh, retail outlets, these these C stores uh, that is akin to a, a cookies area. But it remains to be seen, and, and it's Florida, so anything goes. <laughs> that's true. That's true. And I think, you know, Bob, you said it well today. The Florida, there's a hurricane. There was, you know, Circle K that was anti-cannabis. A hurricane came, and all of a sudden, Circle K is now cannabis-friendly. So, Things change and they change rapidly down there in Florida. But but let let's uh, let's let's talk, Phil. Let, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about Kashom for the benefit of our audience. Um, tell us a little bit about what Kashom is. By 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 way of background, uh, Philip is uh, is been in the industry for for quite some time now. Uh, has worked in different forms of operations on cultivation and processing, manufacturing. He's traveled the world. Uh, he was one of the first uh, to come out with the concept of uh, cannabis weddings and, and the cannabis wedding expo concept. Uh, and now, Kashom is 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 the current uh, thing that you're, is is most near and dear to your heart. Talk to to the audience a little bit about what Kashom is, what it does, and and what you're doing right now. Yeah, thank you so much. And um, yeah, so you know, alongside of what how you just introduced me, Bob, you know, I'd like to add, you know, what I've done with cultivating spirits and having the first cannabis dining company in the United States, because that's what has really led me into what I'm creating right now with Kishom. And through all of the dining experiences, everything we do is teach people how to identify their high 
by understanding the organoleptic properties of cannabis. And if you can identify what type of high you're going to have before you consume, what it does is optimize your consumption. And so I've served over 3,500 people cannabis in these very intimate settings and seeing the light turn on in their minds of, oh, wow, I can treat cannabis like this. And so wanting to bring that to the world because I, I don't want to say historically, but oftentimes we see cannabis, just people using it under the principle of pleasure for sleep aid or for pain management. And when we try to bring the narrative, the conversations in the cannabis space beyond that, um, it's, it, it, there's not a lot that people talk about. And so what Kashom is, is an online cannabis education platform geared towards consumers. And so think masterclass. We are the masterclass program for cannabis to teach people an understanding about the plant, but also how to optimize their consumption with the plant. And that's really what our goal is, is to change the world's relationship so they can become and use cannabis to its fullest extent to benefit them in so many ways beyond what we just, what I just mentioned, pain management, sleep aid, and, you know, just pleasure. Well, so what is some of that that's beyond those concepts, right? Because we do see that's typically how cannabis is discussed in the mainstream, right? Helps you sleep, um, gives you the munchies, you know, kind of all these typical stereotypes. And so what is beyond that, that base layer of understanding of the effects of, of a cannabis product? Yeah, absolutely. You know, how does cannabis promote creativity? Um, and creativity can come in so many different ways of art, right? From dance to playing music to writing, to um, creating music? Um, how can you use cannabis to focus on work? Uh, how can you use cannabis for introspection um, and, you know, kind of your own therapy? How can you use cannabis um, you, as a psychedelic? Um, how can you use cannabis to help promote physical activity, um, whether that's recovery or, you know, actually, you know, enhancing your game on the basketball court? And so those are a lot of areas that we dive into with Kishom, um, is teaching people, you know, not only kind of the science behind that, but also wisdoms and, and ways to think about it. And a lot of philosophy will go into this as well. And so this is what I believe, and so many people who are part of this project believe, is the next evolution of the plant and how we use the plant. It's, it's really to bring our being into you know, we, we talk about homeostasis and with CBD, right? Like let's bring our body into homeostasis. And, and, and so I think that's a really beautiful thing to aim for, but obviously there's just so much science that needs to come down for that, to, for you to be able to bring your body into that space. And so for us, it's teaching you how to enhance areas of your life ultimately by using this plant. And so um, that also comes with understanding yourself. It, it's understanding your body, mind, and soul makeup in relationship to a terpene profile or a CBD-THC ratios. Um, and so this is what we believe is going to allow people to maximize their consumption and make them better consumers. 
Yeah, and I think you you answered my next question, which is going to be, you know, how exactly are you approaching this evaluation? I think you you described it perfectly, right? It's different blends of different terpenes, it's ratios of cannabinoids and how they interact with each other. Um, but I think you made a great point that it's also, you know, has a lot to do with, with your current physiological mental state, right? How, how you're feeling at the time, what you've had in your stomach that day. I mean, um, mm-hmm. all these things will contribute to the effect that a product's going to have on your body. Which, mm-hmm. by the way, is, is exactly why, Xavier, what we've talked about, branding in the cannabis industry is a, is an amorphous concept right. because the Indica, impact sativa. a particular product has on you is going to vary based on all of those factors that you guys just mentioned. Yeah. But, but, you know, Phil, I, I, and I didn't neglect to, to mention your, your, your uh, cultivated spirits uh, scenario. And, and, you know, just before we get further into the Kashom concept, talk a little bit about you know, the efforts that went into that, because you, you, you put those events on at the Claremont Hotel in, in Oakland, California, uh, you know, near, the, near the, the, the Berkeley campus. I mean, this is not some small event at some small venue. Um, tell us a little bit about how that came to be that you were actually working with, you know, a large hotel chain that, that has such prestige. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, we, I actually have a partnership with the Fairmont Hotel Group. So the the Fairmont, the world that you see around the world, is the flagship of the Claremont property in the Bay Area, and ultimately, you know, it was the shutdown. It was it was COVID. They were trying. The food and beverage manager of that particular hotel was trying to look for ways to keep the restaurant going, and they were doing some wine dinners. And you know, we know how progressive Berkeley can be, and so they essentially just inquired about it to me, the idea, they kind of did it, not really expecting for it to go through, but they're interested in it. And, you know, I'm used to having these big conversations. I've had them, I've had a million people tell me no over the last 13 years in the cannabis industry, um, trying to make these prestigious partnerships happen. And so I feel like I know how to navigate them really well. Um, and I ultimately just really dove into not only the just basically addressing any of the their worry points that they would have and first and really clearing the air on that and then from there just really speaking to the opportunity for them to be one of the first people and honestly i think it's the first billion dollar hospitality company to produce their own cannabis consumption event and um they like the idea and so they're like okay let's do this let's do it virtually because everything was shut down. Let's, we'll give it a try. You know, they felt like that was, um, you know, pretty harmless since we were doing it virtually and we did a virtual one and I sat in on a wine dinner one that they did two weeks before I did mine. And it was very dry to say the least. The presenters were wonderful. The food was wonderful, but just the atmosphere was, was very dry. The engagement from the people who were attending and we do the one that I did, um, and the public relations director of the Fairmont Hotel sat in on it, and we couldn't get off the Zoom. I mean, people just wanted to keep talking and celebrating, and they were so happy, and everyone wanted to chime in. I mean, it was so engaging, and I literally had an email within 30 seconds of turning off that Zoom, and they're like, we're going to do this in person. That was phenomenal. And we're going to, let's give it a try. And so we did the first one, the PR director came to it and they honestly, it went so much 
smoother than they expected. They were so worried about the smoke and so worried about the smells and worried about, you know, other hotel guests who might be walking by and this and that. And all of their concerns were alleviated after we did that first one, because as you two know, you know, there's not the, you know, quote unquote damage from this plant whenever people are consuming it in public places or you're doing events and stuff like that. Everyone, you know, feels like these negative things are going to happen and they just don't happen. And so alongside of a lot of those fears being alleviated, seeing it happen in person, they saw how much everyone was loving it and how much joy it is. And so now it's a revenue stream for them. You know, they want to make money off of it. And so um, we're in, uh, I'm in the planning stages, I think for our seventh or eighth one on site and they want us to progress. So I started at one, uh, you know, doing one sort of, we'll, we'll call it a show because it's, there's a lot of presentation that goes into it and they wanted to grow from it. So the next one, the next set of dinners we did, we brought in the farmers and really brought in the conversation of terroir. And then now we're bringing in music and speaking about how music and creativity. So it's really nice to see them not only supporting it, but actually wanting to advance it. And really alongside of that, they give me full reign on the creative aspects. They don't try to hold back on anything. And to have that type of support from a company like the Fairmont is, uh, you know, it's something I'm very grateful for to say the least. No, that's, that's absolutely incredible. Um, and it sounds like you're building more than just uh, a, an event approach and more of a, a curriculum for even a full day retreat, right? And then using cannabis in all these different ways. Um, it sounds like that could easily occupy a, a long weekend. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I, we want to do, do more. You know, I want to I open up those spaces more because I do have those, the ability to bring people through an experiential event that is filled with education but it's also very fun throughout and and you know doing physical activities um to doing fine dining um to doing artistic activities um for entertainment and so that is something that we will we'll dive into more in the future but right now for me it's just all about kashom and bringing kashom to the world because you know at the end of the day I, I got into the cannabis industry 13 years ago because I enjoyed cannabis and I, and I learned how to grow weed and I really enjoyed it and I wanted to make money and I was in my early 20s. And as I really started getting deeper into my own life path and growing and maturing and really creating a deeper relationship with cannabis, I became such an advocate. And for the past 10 years, I've been such an advocate for this plant. And I would say about seven years ago, I started realizing the impact that I could do with my work by changing people's relationship with this plant. And that was coming through the hospitality spaces. And as I, my business acumen grew, I just realized that what I was doing wasn't scalable to the entire world. And as I really pondered that question, you know, how do we make, how do we, you know, I know we started off with, you know, speaking about, you know, cannabis sold in Circle K, you know, um, if that provides more access to people, then I think it's great. If it's just, um, you know, a way that people see the commercialization is growing for it. I don't know if that makes me so happy, but that's not nor here nor there for me to determine um, or for anyone to even care what my opinion is about that. 
But what I see truly with the work that I do is to open people up to have and use this plant for way beyond and what they think they can use it for now. And it came to me to create Kashoma the first a cannabis sommelier program. And I thought I would educate educators. And um, after some work with GPS, I realized that we needed to go directly to the consumer and after the consumer. And that's when we decided to go with the masterclass approach. And so currently right now we're in the funding stages of it. And it's, you know, there's 130 million cannabis consumers in Europe and America alone. And we do not, we can cross all of the borders and teach people about their consumption. And, and so I think it's a brilliant idea from an economic side of things, but more importantly, you know, whenever we're on our deathbed, what's going to be more important, you know, doing the economically economical smart uh, decision or, you know, making an impact and feeling like this world is in better shape for the future generations. And, you know, that's where my heart lies at is the latter while understanding the former is going to be able to give me more ability to share my knowledge with the world. And, you know, who knows, Xavier, maybe that knowledge will come to full day retreat. Well, on, on your deathbed, I, pr- I promise you, you will get, you will regain full consciousness. So, uh, that, <laughs> that, that is, that is something I can assure you. But at, at the end of the day, um, you were traveling recently and, uh, you, you know, you talk about being able to leverage the industry and, and the platform and just what you're involved in to do good. And, and, you know, we were involved in an event at the UN, uh, this year. And we talked a lot about the cannabis industry and how the cannabis industry could do better on ESG related principles, plus, plus, plus. But you were also recently in New York, as I alluded to, tell us what's going on in New York. What, what is the, uh, the lay of the land? What's happening there are there as they move towards adult use cannabis? Yeah. So I'm, I can speak more from a culture standpoint than a more of a regulatory standpoint. Um, because, that's just where I'm tuned into because I won't be applying for any licensing or anything of that nature out there. But recently I spoke at legalized New York um, and what legalized NYC. And it was a, a benefit for the Peter Tosh foundation for the justice foundation and unlocked. And we were in times square at Sony hall, literally across the street from where Hamilton um, is performed at. And there was 500 people in the room. I mean, it was packed. It was so packed. And I feel like people were coming there to get educated, but I feel like just as many people showed up just to support the movement. And it was the energy that I felt in the early cannabis days that I feel like I haven't felt in a long time. I mean, we're talking about the old MJ BizCon days at the Rio or Um, you know, when there was, there's unfortunately not as many social events happening in in Colorado right now, but it really reminded me of when all the advocates showed up. And now I feel like that isn't the overall pulse of these big events throughout the industry. Um, I feel like they've shifted and, and you two can give your opinion if you'd like, but seeing the energy in New York of the advocates of all the advocates coming out because they want to legalize, but they also are like, we've seen what happened in California and we do not want that to happen in New York city. 
And so we are going to raise our voices so we make sure what we see as a sane legal industry that supports our culture is a part of the conversation and is going to be considered um, in the fabric of how everything rolls out. And so um, even seeing Mayor, Mayor Adams, you know, come out and say some of the things that he says, um, speaking with some of the people who are writing policy in New York, I, I really feel like they're taking that part serious. And what I feel is so beautiful about that and why it's so important, because I believe that New York City is going to be the megaphone to the rest of the world. I think once people see New York City roll out and legalize, assuming that it's done with you know positivity, uh, and I guess it could be an amplifier if it's not done in a, in a good way, but I think it's going to be the megaphone to the rest of the world. And so if New York City is the megaphone to the rest of the world, it's so important for them to get it correct because we're still talking about hundreds, you know, billions of people around the world that don't have access to this plant. And there's even a couple billion people who, if they even have get caught with this plant, they are, you know, they're facing serious incarceration, um, very serious incarceration. And that's, mm, it just, it really pains me to even think about that, but that's, that's just the truth. And being in Colorado, you know, as long as I've been, um, you know, we, we kind of take that for granted, but it, it's very real out there. I mean, I remember going into Singapore and I got a stamp on my entry pass saying um, the importation of drugs is, um, is punishable by the death penalty. And so I'm like making sure I don't have a joint like in my back somewhere that I left there on accident from a backpacking trip or something, you know, but it, it's that, you know, it's Brittany Griner is still in jail, you know, I mean, there's people still in jail in the United States as well, which is, you know, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole, you know, but if Biden and Kamala are speaking to release Brittany Grimer, and I know that, you know, they let go of a lot of petty cannabis offenses recently, but to my knowledge, no one got out of jail from that announcement. Like, you know, we, we need Brittany Griner out of jail, but we also need all these other prisoners out of jail as well. Yes. And we got to make sure, you know, going back to what you were saying about New York, we got to make sure that the industry continues to pay, homage to you know the legacy market and you know the people and build upon the backs that have brought us to this point and i think new york has an interesting opportunity to move ahead of kind of these weaker models that we've seen in, in other states as far as recreational markets go um in that they can kind of come full-throated and say no we want you know full-on recreational consumption of cannabis we want to have clubs where we can smoke we want people to have the ability to consume and possess in their homes um, so it's, it's fascinating. It's exciting what's happening in New York. I want to give you a chance to, uh, to give a shout out and let us know where we can find you or where our audience can find you and Keshom um, as we wind this down here. You know, I think that, that the services, the masterclass, if you will, that you're offering is going to be very, very uh, valuable and desired by much of our audience. So um, the floor is yours. Why don't you go ahead and plug where people can find you? Yeah, thank you so much. And um, as I do that plug, I want to plug a Kickstarter campaign um, that I imagine will be live once this is released. And as we go after funding um, from you know traditional investors, we're doing a crowdfunding campaign and we're trying to raise $185,000 through that. And there's some incredible rewards that you can get. So you can visit kashom.org where that will be posted at. 
And for all my projects, I always just point people to my personal Instagram page and then they can access everything from there. That is Philip underscore wolf underscore. Um, Philip with one L, wolf just like the animal. And um, they can they can find all my other projects uh, from that page. Well, Philip, uh, thank you for, for joining us. This, this has been a, a great conversation and we could certainly do this all day long. We haven't even begun to, uh, you know, scratch the surface on, on, on a basketball discussion, which uh, we'll reserve for the next time. But, but, but you are the embodiment of what Kashom is and what uh, people need to know about this plant in many ways, because you, you help take the plant and attach it to things that people do every single day and enhance those opportunities. And that's really what it's all about. And frankly, that's probably why that plant is here. <laughs> I think so. And, um, you know, that was the nicest thing a Philly fan has ever told me in my life. So I'm, I'm just filled with gratitude right now. <laughs> Thanks for joining us for another enlightening conversation. If you liked what you heard, hit that subscribe button to get all future episodes fresh out of the studio. Suggestions for topics or guests for the show, please send them to hello at bobhoban.com. And as always, thanks to Benzinga for powering the Hoban Minute.